Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for June 5th. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Dylan, you've returned to uh, your home base over there at um, Hallelujah Monkeys South? Yeah, I, I, I came back and to celebrate, the great state of Texas decided that they wanted to have a great big fucking thunderstorm for me. So, sorry in advance if uh, you hear a little rumble rumble in the background or maybe maybe if I die in the middle of this episode. Also, sorry about that. Trevor, anything that you'd like to share with the people this week? Well, we've been uh, the victim of some internet piracy. Should we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that. You That's reported so this weird. to me uh, like last, <laughs> early last week, I think. You found, um, how did you find this, by the way? There was somebody uploaded something called Hallelujah Monkeys Rarities Roulette Part 1 to Pirate Bay. <laughs> Yeah, I have a, I'm not ashamed to admit that I have a Google alert set up for our podcast. Rather. Interesting. Okay. So there were like, yeah, we found this thing. There were like six seaters, which is okay. Um, okay. And we're at, my first question was like, is this a thing? Do people upload podcasts onto the Pirate Bay? And my, uh, one of my reactions was like, oh, we've made it. Like, this is how you know that you've <laughs> arrived when people start pirating your stuff, you know? Right, yeah. But here was the weird twist as the plot thickened. It didn't actually turn out to be an episode of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's on a weirdness scale between on the on the low end of the scale is uh, an unexplained draft in the room. <laughs> and on the high end of the scale is Michael Jackson describing his erection by saying Brick City. Yikes. Um a six? It's pretty weird. Yeah. One of the weird parts was that it wasn't even an episode of our podcast. It was a fan-made collaboration of some of the songs we talked about and some that we're not even going to talk about. Like, there was um, Crashing Down in there, I think, and we're not going to be Yeah, the one from that, that documentary that yeah. I probably should have been put on the wheel, but we didn't get it on the wheel. Somebody made their own compilation of tracks that we talked about and stuff I guess they were expecting us to talk about and labeled it as our podcast and uploaded it to Pirate Bay. Very weird, and and didn't even like get to all the ones that we right. talked about. Yeah, it's the order, and it was in a specific order, not that we talked about. Look, we know you're a listener. We know. Please get in touch. We're not angry. No. We just have questions. Yeah, we just have very very burning questions. Uh, P.S. Don't download that torrent. Piracy is wrong. It is. Yeah, it's bad. Very bad. <laughs> you want to get into the news? So Trevor, I just want to paint a picture for you. It's midnight. I'm sat at my computer, the warm glow of the screen on my face. I've been refreshing a Spotify playlist for the last four hours because the official Demon Days Festival 2017 Spotify playlist announced via Twitter that at midnight, British Standard Time, they would update it with a huge surprise guest announcement i know you were guessing um we you you messaged me about this you were guessing kind of like maybe snoop dog i think yeah snoop was like my okay this seems plausible he's got a new album out he'd be a big name that you'd hold back to like build hype on keep in mind they've been teasing this reveal for i believe over a week right we're gonna have a very special guest announced and and they even came up with a cool way to do it like you know check the spotify playlist and whoever we add to it at midnight at this time uh, that's, that's the surprise guest. Well, midnight came and went and there was no announcement, 
But I sat there like a good little Gorillas fan. Just and I was, waiting. I was giving you some like facetious guesses. I was like, maybe it's LCD sound system. Also, like a maybe a, a huge long shot, but it would have been pretty cool. Because I mean, anyway. So uh, I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And then hours later, I think four hours after the announcement was supposed to happen, they upload a new song, and it is by. UK rapper Kano. <laughs> Kano's great, though. I, Kano's great. He does a great job whenever he collaborates with the band. Uh huh. He does a cool version of Clint Eastwood. Look, K- nothing against Kano. It's a little anticlimactic, especially because of the. Why was it late? Here's one theory. What if it was like LCD sound system, and they had a last minute cancellation, and they just had to start? Because Damon couldn't pay enough. Yeah. Right, and they just had to start calling their way down the Gorillas Rolodex, <laughs> like, in order of, of Spotify plays or something, and finally they got a yes, and they're like, all right, that's our special guest now. <laughs> Here's the other point worth making. Where's Bashy? Yeah, right? So you're just going to do Kano? Is it going to be Kano doing his verse and then Bashy on a screen? White Flag's going to be pretty lonely. Just thought I'd share that with you guys. Big news, Kano at Demon Days. Speaking of Demon Days, the first of the warm-up gigs happened, Trevor. Right, and uh, we saw what setlist they played. We did see the setlist, very similar to the not-a-final-fucking setlist from last week. I think there are a couple of little differences here. Um, You and me, Trevor, of course, have a policy of not hearing a new gorilla song for the first time in its live form right yeah we have been trying to stick to that and i've managed to but but i think that the the awkwardness of that is that now there's a new gorilla song people want to hear reactions to it we don't have them garage palace and then i remembered we have a fucking discord trevor right and so he pulled for opinions right yeah i just said hey whoever's on right now who's listened to garage palace let's hear your opinions so that i can tell you about it and i will tell you about it so first of all the headline trevor is that this song is absolutely not an alternate or early version of its uh b-side on the super deluxe version which is sex murder party a-side there yeah it's a-side sorry anything goes Everything's on the table. Exactly. So let's hear a few reactions. Discord user Myths, as in the plural of the word myth. Right, like Mythbusters. Said, it's great. It's like if Out of Body was on cocaine. Little Sims does a great job as well. Uh, Then another user, Hi Saffron Trevor, said, it's really fun. Definitely in the same vein as Out of Body. It's a straight up, blast this in the room and dance kind of song. Feels sadly short, though. Bummer. Yeah, and then... uh, Finally, a little bit more lukewarm reaction from uh, user Burstfoot, who said, I'm going to say it's all right, but uh, it's good that it wasn't on the album. It has no progression, but that could just be because it's live. And then I asked them what they meant by not having any progression. Like, I didn't know if they meant a chord progression or if it didn't build. Uh, and they said that they meant the latter, that it doesn't really, doesn't really build. It just kind of is what it is. Trevor, this is the big one. Here comes the big one, Trevor. The big news, the big news bulletin. We have an open, this is the first. This has never happened before. This is an open casting call for background performers in an upcoming Gorillaz video. That's fucking crazy. Pretty cool. Let me just read the bulletin that was posted, okay, Trevor? Do it. It says, we need you. Here's your chance to feature in a Gorillaz music video shoot. When? Thursday, the 8th of June, from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's very soon, Trevor. Where? London. Location, TBC. Now, here's the important part. Get your, get your pen and paper. To apply, email gorillasshoot at gmail.com with your name, a recent photo of yourself, 
your location, and your date of birth. Now, Trevor, I'm saying right fucking now, if you're a listener to this podcast and you are within travel distance of London, fucking do that shit, because we want a trip report. Yeah, get on that. Seriously, please. We'll have you Skype into the show and talk about being on being on the, the new Gorilla video. Wouldn't for it be sure. sick if we were like really like popular, lucrative podcasters and we could afford to go try and be in this thing ourselves? <laughs> that would be sick. All the more reason to start getting these sponsors. I know. Yeah. Where are you, Squarespace? Where are you? I heard another one recently that was like a mail-to-order bra company. Why not us? Why not us? Anyway, yeah. What do you think this music video is going to be? Well, okay. We can speculate and we can do a bit of educated guessing. Because there was also a new interview this week uh, with a, a junket called Juxtapose Magazine. Right. Uh, Jamie teasing some details about the video. So yeah, I'll, uh, let me read that quote real quick. Um, I can't tell you what'll happen, but we're working with real-time animation at the moment. It looks old, traditional sail animation, and somebody puts on a funny little suit and jumps around, and the characters repeat what the person does. So that means we can do live interviews with the characters, and in the future, they could go on stage and perform, which is something we've always wanted to do. We want them to play their own concerts. The technology didn't exist before, but now we're almost at the point where they could. I'm going to use that technology for the next video. It might be a dance video. I'm thinking of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Still a great video. I fucking love that video. I'm into dance routines. That makes me very excited, Trevor. Right? And I have also heard, like, whisperings around the fan community that gorillas have been planning to, like, incorporate live dancers into their shows. Have you heard about that? Yes, yes, he said that. So what if they're, like, a little farther along than they're playing at, and they actually have this technology ready to go, and this music video is going to serve as, like, Hey, here's what you're going to see at these live dates. Oh, fuck. That would be so like, cool, that's, dude. That feels like really wishful thinking, but imagine. There is a universe where that happens. It could you know be what else one. there is, Trevor? A song on the deluxe version of Humans that is specifically about a dance. Oh, shit. It is called Out of Body. And is that why they're playing it live? Because it's getting a music video? Maybe. Oh, what my God. What if getting a fucking music video, oh. dude? Oh my god, wait, 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 wait. It says, it, Jamie says, somebody puts on a funny little suit and jumps around, and the characters repeat what that person does. And, like, the whole fucking first verse of that song is somebody is teaching you how to do right. a dance. Holy shit, it's all clicking into place. We're getting an out-of-body music video. So, let's just lay it down. That's our theory. <laughs> no, we just, we just solved this in real time on this podcast. We're going to know by the 8th, for sure, whether we're right or wrong, because wow. that's when the shoot is. Okay. I hope. I hope. <laughs> I hope. I'm freaking out. I'm going to be crushed if this doesn't happen now. I know, I know. I, it's, 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 it's very tantalizing to imagine because yeah. it would be so, I don't know. I don't know how you, the listener, feel, but I think that would be fucking sick. Yeah, I think that's the news. So uh, why don't we get into round two of Rarities Roulette? A very large package arrived at my home. Uh, it was here when I got back. I gotta tell you, looking at this wheel in person, this thing is a fucking death trap. I know, yeah. It seems to be doing... It's even, like, a little worse for wear than last week, right? Because I think uh, those first 15 spins really took a toll on it. And and on you. I mean, I saw some pictures later that, that night of your hand, and you were, you were very game to not 
wince or scream because it really cut the shit out of your fingers. Really, spl- a lot of splinters, yeah. But I guess this week I'm spinning the wheel. All right, and I'm going to be announcing what songs it lands on because that's the way we're doing it, I guess. That's how it works. <laughs> that's you. You're watching live via satellite. I'm spinning the wheel. Do you want to recap? Um, uh, do you want to recap uh, kind of what we're that's doing? That's a good idea. If you didn't listen to part one, you can probably get away with listening to part two first because it's not like that we're telling a story or anything. But what's happening? There's is- no continuity here. It's all random. Uh, we got a big, colorful wheel with names of Gorillaz rarities on them. We're talking about, you know, non-album singles and weird collaborations and little website-only type things. Uh, we spin the wheel. Whichever one it lands on is the one we talk about next. We're doing 30 in total, and we did the first 15 last week. Now we got 15 more. And I got to tell you, Trevor... I'm looking at this wheel, and just by process of elimination, I'm very excited about some of the things that we're going to be talking about th- this week. Me too. And although there were some some bona fide classics on there, I kind of feel like we took out most of the clunkers in round one. I How think we did too. Like? I'm yeah, I'm really excited for uh, what this one has in store for us. Hopefully, we're able to get through it before that wheel collapses. You said the magic word, which is wheel, which means I got to spin this fucking thing. All right, right? let's yeah, now get ready to feel the power. Um, ooh, it's weirdly warm. Okay, I'm giving it a spin. <laughs> All right, first spin lands on Samba at 13. Oh, shit. Right? Yeah. Right after I say that we took out all the clunkers. Right, good note to start off on. Have you ever listened to this song all the way through in one sitting? I don't know if I have before this podcast. I know for sure that I did when it first dropped. At the time, Trevor, uh, I was writing like a weekly editorial about Gorillaz and reviewing their songs was a big deal of the thing of one of the things that I did and so I listened to it all then. Yeah, you did that on Gorillaz Unofficial, right? I remember reading those. Yeah, those were back in the day. I don't necessarily recommend you go Googling for them. I don't necessarily stand behind my, my writing as a 16-year-old boy, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Samba at 13, Trevor, was released in August of 2005 on the UK DVD uh, format of the Dare single. I was just turning 15 years old. Great birthday present from the band. Thanks, thanks, Gorillaz. Uh, it samples a, a workout routine from a, a 1950s, let's say, anti-feminist icon named uh, Debbie Drake. She she made a lot of records, Trevor, that were that had titles like uh, "How to Please Your Husband with a Fit Body" and things like that. Interestingly enough, my birthday is August 13th. <laughs> this is like a Russell solo track, right? Is it? I think so. Yeah. They didn't let him do any live drumming on Demon Days, so he gets it all out here. <laughs> yes, that's true. There's at least there's at least three musicians uh, here. I that's feel just like how I'm good a fucking least... drummer he is, dude. Plus double tracks. You hear those stories about blues musicians hearing those recordings of Robert Johnson and thinking he's two guys or something. That's what's going on here. Exactly, yeah. Russell is as powerful as an entire Samba ensemble. If you're not familiar with Samba 13, I'm not surprised. Uh, I think it actually eventually was on the Japanese edition of D-Sides or something like that. Um, But it is a six and a half minute long Samba drum solo. And that's all it is. That's all it is. All we can really do is kind of speculate here. Like, I guess guess in theory this might have been a session that was abandoned for some other song. Like, maybe they were thinking, oh, we could get some percussionists to do something underneath this and then thought, ah, that doesn't work and then just let it be its own thing that's my that's my best guess maybe it was originally meant for dare and that's why it ended up being its b-side that would be real weird right how would have that worked somebody mash up samba 13 and people and give us yeah that give us a a little taste of that until we hear that do you want to spin the wheel again want is a strong word because again there's a lot of horrible sharp elements on this thing but yeah you gotta suffer for your heart dude spinning 
All right, and the next song we will be discussing is Don Quixote's Christmas Bonanza. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this one. The Kevin and Bean present Swallow My Eggnog mixtape. <laughs> Released in December of 2001. What are what are our boys doing on this thing? That's a really good question. I'm sure that you're you're in striking distance of K Rock. Does K Rock still exist? Yes, K Rock does exist. I never listened to it though because I'm pretty sure the only thing they play is the Atari's cover of Boys of Summer. <laughs> what else would they play at this point? To our non-Californian uh, and sort of international listeners, K Rock at one time was like the most important rock and roll radio station in America. And then radio died. And then radio died. And rock and roll died, to, also, to an extent. A little bit. Kevin and Bean were like the, I guess, or were they like the drive-time shock jocks or something? Yeah, shock jocks or something like that. They're still around. They oh, Good for them. Good, Legitimately, I'm proud of them for being able to pick up a paycheck. Surviving in a dying industry, it's crazy, yeah. They're doing something right. They're not putting these out anymore, I'll tell you that much. Um... So, this is a compilation Christmas album, and I don't know how this comes about. Like, it's just some fucking weird record label payola shit where, like, hey, you give us an exclusive and we'll play your guys a little bit more. Is that what's happening here? I don't know, man. I mean, maybe they needed to get in there because they were kind of like a rap group at this point, almost. Maybe. And and not only that, Trevor, another song on this, this compilation, another very special song, which I recommend all of our listeners go YouTube for, uh, is a song called... Clint Frostwood. Oh my god. And it is by the <laughs> band Chillas with a Z. <laughs> and it is a Kevin and Bean original parody of Clint Eastwood. It's a gem. Sung from the perspective of Frosty the Snowman. Why aren't we covering that on this uh, podcast? <laughs> you left that one off the wheel. I do recommend everybody go Google it. Like, you don't have to listen to all of it. I won't make you do that, but it is. You'll get the joke after, like, 15 seconds, yeah. Let's talk about Don Quixote's Christmas Bonanza, because it's the actual song that this landed on. Yeah, this is a really cool one, too. One of, uh, maybe not, like, one of my favorites, but I definitely enjoy listening to this one whenever I happen to stumble across it again. Some uh, interesting fact about this one is that the MP3 copy that is, like, constantly circulated is actually missing the very beginning of the song, because it appears on the previous track and kind of crossfades in. It's really nothing much. It's just Damon going like, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't answer the long-standing question, which is why is this a Christmas song, or what it has to do with Don Quixote, who was um, that literary character who was crazy and tilted at windmills. I wonder if Damon had any say in this being released at all, or if EMI was just like, this guy, he's he's whacked out on whatever that dude takes when he's in the studio. We have all these abandoned sessions, like. We can we can just dig in there and throw them a little something something. I wonder if, if Damon even knew that this was going out at the but time. This wouldn't be out of place at all if you put it next to something like Faust. No, definitely not. I wonder if it was ever seriously in play for uh, for for G side. I wonder why not. Like I, I seriously wonder why they left so many songs off that release. I mean, Dub Dumb wasn't on it. This one wasn't on it. I remember I remember first hearing this song. It was not until Phase Two that I heard the song Trevor, and I remember being very excited to imagine that there was all this like unearthable phase one material that i that i've never heard or that we've never heard you know right yeah who knows how much is still out there in that sense it kind of reminds me of gorilla's routine like what, what we talked about last week yeah this is a this is definitely worth a listen yeah it's cool it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> i won't say but it's a curiosity and it's worth a listen it's interesting you say that it doesn't go anywhere because for some some reason the like percussion of this song that kind of like jangly like it 
it feels like it's moving. Like there's something like eminently approaching and it's got a real sinister vibe to it. That's always what I've gotten from this one. It's very cloppy and there's some shakers and, and obviously you got like some classic junior Dan bass work happening. It there sounds like also. it sounds like Santa Claus climbing a chimney, but to do something bad. <laughs> did, did Santa just tell a lie? Is that what's something happening? like that? Yeah. But I, no, this one's cool. Very haunting. I love that one kind of lo-fi melody that kind of repeats throughout. Um, okay, I'm going to give it a spin, Trav. All right, and you are going to land on... Oh, Dylan, I hope you're ready to go uh, a little demo crazy, because it's I Need a Gun. Oh, interesting. I Need a Gun from, as you as you hinted at, uh, Demo Crazy, released in December of 2003. Right, that little Damon Albarn collection of oddities. And this is the original demo uh, that would eventually become uh, Dirty Harry. Exactly, and... and- Although the lyrics are very temp, it is worth pointing out that he very clearly sings to keep myself among in this version. You think? I hear both still. I really hear both. And I think... I definitely hear among in this version. Here's Um, what the argument comes down to for me between among and from harm. Right. I need a gun to keep myself among... And then the poor people people are... But there's a second, like, clause there. You know, the poor people are burning in the sun. It would need a who in there. Exactly, yeah. But among... Rhymes with uh, sun, with from harm does not rhyme with sun. Yes, I understand, but I mean, on this version, the lyrics are so temp, you know, right? That I could, I could, I, I don't think that it's among on any on any Studio Gorillas version, but I what? do think it is among on here. What, do we know what the kids are saying? Like, do we know what the kids are really saying? I wanted to like go back and listen to Her- uh, Dirty Harry. I keep wanting to say on Demon Days Live for sure. We know that they're singing from harm. Okay. We've seen their lyric sheet before, and I can do a little lip reading being hearing impaired, and those kids are for sure saying harm. Gotcha. There. So definitively, I think it's from harm. And I think on Demo Crazy, it is among. I think that's where the lie came from. Interesting. That he's reaching back to his demo version. He has, like, he has all that like encyclopedic knowledge of every filler word he's ever used on demos. I think it, was, it probably came down to he tried to squeeze that second clause in there, and it didn't work. Yep. So he he changed it so it would still kind of hold the idea, but be slightly. That checks out. This is cute. I don't know what else to say. It's it's uh, sounds like something Dame would throw together in a hotel room. I like how when he sings the the verse a second time in that kind of delayed version, it sounds a lot like how the little synth solo sounds in, in uh, Dirty Harry. A little bit, yeah. That's that's a cool thing to notice. It's short. It's fun. It it comes in, does its thing, it gets out. Little little look into the creative process of Damon Albarn. I'm gonna spin it. All right. And next up is, ooh, this is an interesting one, uh, 9-11 featuring D12 and Terry Hall. Now, I will say that Damon himself in Bananas calls it 9-1-1. Interesting. Okay. So maybe canonically 9-1-1? I don't right. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, always yeah. called it 9-11. I don't know. This was uh, uploaded in December of 2001 uh, to Gorillaz and D12's website. Uh, as a download with an eventual physical release uh, much, much later. And uh, it was recorded uh, on the day that D12 and Gorillaz, D12 minus Eminem, their most famous member, by the way. Of course, yeah. It was recorded on a scheduled recording session that, that Gorillaz and D12 had made together on September 12th, 2001. So obviously the events of the previous day were pretty heavy on their minds. Whatever ideas they had must have been scrapped. Um you can see the, a lot of the making of the song in the documentary Bananas, which I totally recommend. Uh, rest in peace, Proof, I want to say, right off, of course. right off the bat. 
Uh, there, he has a really charming moment in Bananas when he when he goes like super rap nerd and points out that in the movie Crush Groove, uh, right before the fat boys walk into a Sabaros to do the legendary musical number All You Can Eat, there's like a weird little beat that doesn't go anywhere and that Del the Funky Homo Sapiens sampled that beat uh, on on a on a Brother George track. Hmm. Very charming. Made me very sad that uh, that that proof is no longer with us. As did his lyric. Until my life ends as pathetic as Pox on 911, which is very, very sad uh, that it came out as prescient as that because he was shot and killed, I think, outside of a nightclub, even. Yeah. You know what else is sad? The thousands of lives that were lost on the day of the September 11th tragedy. I'm so sorry for that segue, Trevor. But at least we got a Gorillaz song out of it. <laughs> Oh God! I don't no. know. Listen, there's something, something I've been wanting to talk about this song, and like I can't quite explain it. Um, I initially wanted to say that there's just something about the song that feels Islamophobic. The way that they're quoting kind of Arabic-sounding uh, melody. I or? don't know. It's just the vibe. I got everything about it. Although yeah. I will say I looked this up because there are a lot of um, Muslims in the hip-hop community. The jury seems to be out on this, but I think um, member of D12 Bizarre might be Muslim. Well, he he his verse is very weird. His and, verse is very and, bad, and like is probably one of the I think the worst verses on a gorilla song. Yeah, like he might be arguing in character as a as a terrorist, and he's making some very ugly statements about doing some very heinous things in it. I mean, he says that he identifies as himself in the middle. He says Bizarre is too far gone. It's weird because I, I was looking up this discourse about whether uh, he was a Muslim or not, and most everybody was just saying, "Who cares? He's the worst member of D12." It's true, he is awful. Proof, to, proof holds it down here, though. There's some other good lyrics on this. I think Proof has the most memorable verse. I think that that judging this song on its strengths as a song is the wrong way to go about this. I think what this song captures perfectly is like the anger and the confusion uh, and the fear of that immediate period of time, like. The song has almost no focus or direction. Even each individual verse seems like it's cobbled together from five different verses, and each and all of the verses themselves do not coalesce into one statement of a song. And Damon even calls it, well, it's a peaceful statement, He is how he explains it. I think that that's way off. And in fact, uh, Terry Hall is also on the song, Trevor, the lead right, singer, the lead singer of, from the specials. Exactly, and he does that little We Are One outro piece. That feels like a sort of a desperate attempt for Damon to sort of save face of what he wanted the song to be. Right. But what it is, I think, is way more interesting. Because yeah. it's just this document of that that absolute clusterfuck of what is going on. You really get happening. a lot of that from uh, The Hook, too. It's really kind of nebulous and wordless, but it's still very menacing and confrontational. What about when Swifty goes, whoever that did this, we're gonna get y'all. Yeah. That's such a fucking, like, oh, if only you could see the next the next decade. Exactly. If only That's you like, knew. It's almost cringeworthy to look at it. Um in retrospective, I think, especially with lyrics like, now whether it's Saddam or Bin Laden, that's been starting all this trouble for us. I know, I know, and, and like, it's it's weirdly, that's why I think that this song is fucking worth its weight in gold, honestly, because yeah. of it being a document of that of that era. That it is a moment. very interesting document, and the beat kind of kicks ass. Yeah, the, that that's, that's definitely the strongest sonic element, for sure, is that beat. Like, the hook's fine, and some of the rapping's good. I like the hook a lot, and then Terry Hall coming in at the end is really good too yeah i think i think that terry again i think that terry hall like all like every individual individual member of d12 seems to be on a different song than everybody else on the song <laughs> yeah. uh, but but it's all it's all effective it's all interesting but again i just think if you live through that time listening to this it really does affect 
actively kind of suck you back into that moment the way that a lot of other things from that era don't do quite at least for me don't do quite as vividly and we talked about it a lot uh, in previous episodes gorillas are definitely there's a before 9-11 gorillas and there's an after 9-11 gorillas i'm so glad you brought that up trevor because uh, i wanted to point out something right around this time uh believe in october of 2001 was the european mtv music video awards in which jamie and damon co-accepted a best music video award for clint eastwood right and damon got up on stage and he says he goes forget about this it's not important do you see this symbol and then he points to a peace symbol on Mm -hmm. his jacket okay and he says this is the symbol of the coalition for nuclear disarmament this is important and you all need to get involved with it you need to do something about this our boy that moment when he says forget about this it isn't important that almost feels like the origin story of the gorillas that we know today. I totally agree. That's where they were born. As if he's saying, burn the past. The future is, this is, this is, this is a band that's about the end of the world now. Yep. Totally. And 9-11 is a perfect transition moment for, for that. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating moment on the journey of gorillas. It's like a little sea change almost. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on my gloves and give it a spin here. All right, let's, let's get to it. All right, and the next, ooh, this is, an, this is a good one. We've got Electric Shock, the original demo from uh, Damon's BBC Radio 1 takeover. Yeah, January of 2009, this was. Um, this, uh, I think that this was the pick of the three that he played. Definitely, yeah. I mean, compared to the other two, I would certainly agree with that. This one's really cool. I'm not totally convinced that this wasn't just kind of like a last-minute bouncing of a bunch of different sketches that he kind of wove together, but even if that is what's going on here... I do think it has a flow to it. Like, I almost like that that little snippet of three hearts uh, that we get here more than the individual track that we reviewed last week because of how well it works leading into the um, eventual actual electric shock part. Yeah, how, just how it gives way into this kind of this grimy synthy thing is interesting. I think the actual the grimy synth thing almost sounds like it could have uh, been a working demo for kind of the stuff Damon was doing on White Flag. I could definitely hear that the, the middle section for yeah, sure. I mean, this could, for all we know, the way this kind of transitions from an orchestral piece to a kind of um, like you said, a grimy or electronic kind of thing. Definitely, like, that's the exact same format that they ended up going with in uh, White Flag. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was kind of a transition exercise. Not too much else to say there, though, right? No, I'm going to spin the wheel. Here we go. All right. Okay. Oh, Dylan, I cannot believe this. Uh, How serendipitous. It's the next version of Electric Shock. (laughs) That's fucking crazy. It's the next Electric Shock (laughs) demo that, um, this one was included in what? Uh, Fact, the Fact Mix? Or something yeah it was fact magazine was doing like having artists who they were interviewed do like little soundcloud mixes for them and damon made one and he snuck this in on there this came out in march of 2014 so this is like in the drought firmly in the in the gorillas are no longer a thing period yeah you could easily mix together the last section of electric shock demo from bbc one radio and and this you could make something out of the two of them together for sure this one's got a little bit of a smooth kind of funk to it though yeah it's got a sick little bass line i like yeah. that little bass <laughs> you know what i actually kind of want to use this uh this song trevor to talk to you a little bit about seasides okay yeah that thing that never came out that everybody was expecting to in the last couple of weeks actually trevor i've been talking to one of the only authorities on this band that i would trust more than you or myself um 
who, for weird political reasons, I don't know if I should name, but let's just say that he had a few opportunities to speak to Jamie Hewlett and then was held back from printing everything that he spoke to Jamie Hewlett about. Okay. You know who I'm talking about. I do know who you're talking about, of course, yeah. Our unidentified source. The way that our friend, our mutual friend tells it, Trevor, EMI was expecting Seasides to come out, and it not coming out was ultimately Damon's call. And the speculation beyond that is that the only reason we ever got a physical release of The Fall was to fulfill an obligation to have a physical Gorillaz release that year. Label fuckery. Weird to think that that Damon didn't want that stuff out. In that interview, you do hear Jamie Hewlett uh, refer to the material that was supposed to end up on Seasides as, as, well, it's still these are still Gorillaz songs and they're always going to stay Gorillaz songs. Right. But that didn't happen either because some of the, we know for sure one of the songs that was supposed to be on Seaside was called Apple Cart. And that ended up being part of uh, his opera, Dr. D. Nowadays, there's a version of what the fan community calls Seasides that floats around, and this demo is on that version. That's not Seasides. That is a, a sort of desperate compilation of weird phase three oddities in lieu of having any of that material much like the uh copy of our podcast on pirate bay it is it is uh it is fake news <laughs> yeah exactly it's fake news i still think that a true fan should go listen through that stuff it's all stuff that is you know by the band it's just stuff that leaked out through other weird channels like this weird soundcloud fact magazine mix but i gotta tell you when i listen to that version of seasides or the, there's a couple of versions that that are fan uh, compilated i all i feel is a real overwhelming sadness of all that stuff that we'll never get to hear yeah remember all that great music that was floating on the website and stuff and like uh that one we mentioned earlier crashing down but i crashing doubt down. we'll ever see the light of day leviathan their collaboration with the horror the horrors, and just, yeah who knew just, what that who knows what like. else who knows yeah. what else dude maybe someday to quote the beach boys wouldn't it be nice if i didn't have to spin this wheel but i do but you do so let's see what is next uh. Ooh, fun, we've got Do Ya Thing featuring James Murphy and Andre 3000. Oh, fuck. This is a monster of a song. This is a How great are we going to talk about it? A really good one. <laughs> this was released in February of 2012 uh, as part of Converse Shoes three artist one song promotion one of gorilla's other corporate buddies it is attributed equally credited to gorilla's james murphy and andre 3000 although it was to promote gorilla's line of shoes yeah and they're the ones who ended up making a music video for it too there's two versions there's like a four minute version and then there's a crazy out of control like 12, 12 minute, 13 version? minute version yeah and there's a quote i have a great quote from damon about that version here okay the 12-minute version represents what we did over three days. It's quite an insane progression. That version involved out of just a drum beat and a guitar, and then Andre just started going, and there was no sense that he was ever going to stop. It was a very exhilarating ride. It's live. I'm playing guitar, the drum machine is going, James is playing bass, and Andre just goes off. And what he's saying just gets more and more ridiculous. It finished on its own will. We really had nothing to do with it. <laughs> You know what? I, I was actually really encouraged to read that because I remember at the time feeling very cynical about this song. Right, yeah. When the first original four-minute version came out, I wasn't super on board with it. But then I heard that 12-minute one, and I was like, okay, yeah. Okay, before we get into that, into the stuff that happens after the four-and-a-half-minute mark of this song, Trevor, mm-hmm. um, coming back to this uh, song, Post-Humans, I stand by my assertion that Damon took a quantum leap forward as a rapper on the latest Gorillaz album. Because, like, if you just compare 
Damon's bars and his cadence on like City's breaking down on a camel's yeah. back. I'm or, a fan imitator of a boy in the sky. Yeah. Compare that to like to like uh, I just don't know where I'm getting it from. Like yeah. he's, he's totally fucking something happened. Uh-huh. Damon took a huge leap forward as a rapper. He sounds a lot. He's a dead ringer for Beck on this one. I think. Like I think it's it's safe to say that competent as the work coming from James and Damon may be, this is this is Andre 3000. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, this is his song. Even before, <laughs> even before the outro, his like his verse is great. But then he oh, just oh yeah, and that little song bit that he does yeah. is I think I think it's better than than James's chorus uh, as a, as a piece of pop music for sure. I do like James Murphy's chorus a lot though. Me too. I just think Andre's Andre's weird song thing is a little bit better. I just think it is really good. But then the I'm the shit part, like holy, <laughs> okay. holy The crap. rest of this song, after four and a half minutes, Trevor, I, this is like an exorcism or a therapy session or something. Like, yeah. This is an important chapter in the post-Outcast story of Andre 3000, in my opinion, because like, do you remember when it seemed like Andre 3000 might be the most important pop musician of the new millennium? Mm-hmm. He was on this crazy fucking run. He, he, he thought of himself as like our generation's Jimi Hendrix, but really he was like shaping up to be our Paul McCartney or something. Here's what I'm not calling uh, the song. I'm not calling it a masterpiece. It's something different than that. It's more like he just became uncorked and all of that. Famously, he was up against it with panic attacks and like he could barely go on stage and he was terrified to record and like it feels like something is exiting him. Something's unlocked. Can I talk to you um, for a moment about the origin of his I'm the shit refrain? Because this is one of my favorite facts about the song. Oh, yeah. You school me because I don't think I know about this. Yeah, okay. So the li- I-, I found this on Wikipedia so easily enough. The lyric was based on an encounter uh, Damon had with um, Brian Eno. They were bicycling, apparently. Damon asked him, like, how's it going? How's everything? Uh, how-, how's all your- how are all your projects doing? And uh, Brian answered, everything I'm working on is coming out great. And Damon shared this with James and Andre, and they were both like, oh, so he basically just said, I'm the shit. <laughs> and so they decided to go with that. And and even in the song, he kind of, like, winks at it a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, like, sometimes he thinks he is shit, and sometimes he thinks he's the shit, you yeah. know? And the whole, like, um, all of the improvising he does over that final kind of, like, I mean, that midsection, I guess, because there is the final cool down at the end, but that kind of crowd rocky noise midsection is like just unbelievable like every second of it's compelling uh, the, the climax of the i'm the shit section before before because once he says the word asshole it like moves into this that monk chant yeah. outro uh but the climax of it when he like screams and they're cutting up his vocals yeah like he says i'm the shit he just screams you know i like i like when you can hear one of them yell uh crawl back to the mic <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fucking insane yeah like whatever you think about do you think you know, you probably are more familiar with the music video version of it, but like, you know, light a candle and say Andre 3000's name three times in a dark bathroom, looking and into the, a mirror while you and listen the song to the will song. magically extend to 12 minutes long. That's the only version I listen to, dude. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine myself ever going back to that four minute. I, I go back to the four minute version to watch the music video, which is which is a whole different conversation that we'll have on a future episode. Exactly, the music video episode. Uh, before we go, before we talk about that kind of stuff, though, we should probably finish getting through these rarities. Okay, I guess that means I got to spin this fucking thing. Let's go. 
All right, here it goes. Wobbling a little bit, but it looks like it is going to land on FM Ooh. from uh, Nathan Haynes' album, Squire for Hire, yeah. featuring 2D. This is a September of 2003 release, Trevor. Um, okay. It's I, a Steely Dan cover. It's a Steely Dan cover. I wanted to make sure that this wasn't just a weird fan rumor, so I did track down a version of, like, a printed version of the liner notes for this album. Right. He's actually credited as D2 in the liner notes, but it's <laughs> it's generally accepted that that was a typo. <laughs> But how about how about David Albar and Nathan Haynes kind of predicting the yacht rock revival by half nearly half a decade? A little bit, right? This dad rock cover that Damon's on. Steely Dan, I'm 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 not that ashamed to admit that Steely Dan are probably in my like top ten or maybe fifteen favorite bands of all time. Really? Yeah, I fucking love jazz rock, man. <laughs> okay. I mean I mean, I fuck around with Asia, like, every now and then, but I mean, like, top ten bands. I don't know, dude. Steely, Steely has, like, a run of about five albums in a row that I fucking love, but I understand that they're that they're not cool. I get that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't care about a band being cool, but I mean, I just, I've never met anybody who's that passionate about Steely Well, band. you know, Walter Becker is an incredible guitarist, and, and I feel like Nathan does a very amiable, earnest job trying to recreate that guitar solo at the end. Uh, I think this song is great. I love it. I, I I, I do too. You know what I love about it? It's it's very earnest. I feel like there really isn't a whiff of hipster irony on this thing. No, there's no winking at all, really. It's very faithful to the original. Hearing one of your favorite bands cover another one of your favorite bands is really magical. Um, it's always cool. So this is kind of like, of the two featuring 2D songs, we talked about the last one last week, this one just runs away with it for me. Damon sounds great on this track. They double track him the entire way, so... So it's like his normal vocals, like singing with that like falsetto he does when he's like you know doing the two D voice. Yeah, very and it cool. Is such a cool effect. I like the idea of two D being a Steely fan. That's great. Yeah, but he doesn't shy away from a little bit of cornball in his music. You know what I mean? It's one of the rare, the only other cover, Gorillas related cover I could think of is something we're not talking about on this episode, but hopefully we'll talk about someday, which is that really beautiful like Glockenspiel acoustic cover of Crystallized by the XX. I always forget about that one. Hey, real quick, if you could pick any song, what one would you want to see the band cover? Oh, shit. That is a fucking good question, dude. I think the reason I'm, I'm picking this is because of, I, because of the atmosphere of this song and the fact that it has kind of multiple vocal lists of different genders Okay. that I think would, would give it maybe an almost phase one throwback feel. Sure. What do yeah. you think about Tusk by Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> Really interesting. Huh. Not one I would have seen you going with. So my answer is, and this is kind of something that Damon has done before, but I would really love to see the band do a cover of Ghost Town by The Specials. Oh, yeah, for sure. That would totally work. That would work. be so sick. We talked about Mix 2 last week, right? And We did. And Phase 4, to an extent, has been a return of, of the Damon Albarn falsetto. Right. And... Murdoch's G-Mix included Billy Jean by Michael Jackson and Jamie Hewlett's interview uh, Name Check thriller. thriller would be kind of sick to get like a fucking PYT or a Gotta Be Starting Something. That would be so cool. Or uh, The Girl Is Mine featuring a duet between uh, <laughs> 2D and Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> right? Murdoch playing Paul McCartney. This conversation great. is over because we can stop drilling now. You hit, you've yeah. hit oil. <laughs> We stopped drilling. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's get to the next song. Give right. the wheel spin. All right, that was quite a mighty one, and it's uh, 
Guess what? They're back. It's Starshine featuring Fire Cypher. <laughs> oh, my life. I love you guys. Uh, this was released. Here's what's fun. This didn't come out until March of 2011. Uh, it came to us via Fi Life Cypher's SoundCloud, and the credit on it was Starshine by Fi Life Cypher featuring Gorillas. That's had some very, very, very nice piece of cover art. I, it has an amazing. I don't even know if this is Photoshop. This could be like some freeware shit that we're on of uh, of Fi Life hanging out with some. I think Phase Two Gorillas. You mean they weren't all in the room together? No, I don't think that they hung out. Um, huh. In fact, I, I tried to get a little bit more information about this, Trevor, but apparently around Phase 3, uh, Firelife was, like, talking some shit about Gorillas and, like, contacting whatever press they could, trying to get somebody to listen to them air some grievances about Gorillas. Guys, we've invited you on the show. If you guys have some complaints to air, we would love to hear it, Firelife Sniper. We're very, despite being a Gorillas fan cast, we are a very, uh, I think we are very bipartisan, so of course we've always been open to discussing complaints about the band. I mean, like, Rosie Wilson not getting her uh, due royalties or whatever. Yeah, if, if you went through some shit like that, talk to us. Come come on the show. Let's let's hash it out. For sure. Uh, and also, I think that this counts as the third and final featuring Gorillaz song. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Do you have any kind things you'd like to say about this track? I have some things I'd like to say about this track. <laughs> okay. I like that we have this. I, I wish that there were more sort of collaborator mutinies like this that resulted in us hearing kind of the abandoned collaboration version, you know? Like, for example, we recently learned that there's a De La Soul version of Kids With Guns. Fellai Cypher has kind of taken it on the chin a little bit on the show. Um, a little bit. But, I mean, I think we, I think it's all in good fun. Well, and I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to us eventually discussing... They have an album called Millennium Metaphors from, like, 2000, and it is routinely listed on, like, the top five Brit rap albums of all time. Interesting. I've never listened to it, but, it, but in service of this show, I'm, I'm very interested, too. That's going to be a very interesting episode. I'm looking forward to that, too. Um, this, this though, I think it goes without saying, is not great. Uh, the definition of inessential. I feel like part of the problem is that they seem very excited about the fact that the song is called Starshine. Because yeah. between the two of them, they say star shine and starshine maybe 300 times uh there's there's a couple other like um interstellar references in there for now until we get these boys on our on our show i think this is our farewell to fly life cypher this is the last thing we have to talk about i think so too yeah so godspeed boys godspeed get on the show please reach <laughs> yeah, out come on. somebody even, even just we'll just take Cy philly we don't need life he always seemed like, was he really pulling his weight? Come on, Cy Philly. Or we'll take you. either of you, seriously, anyone, anyone, just come be on the show. Don't spin the wheel again. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh. All right, and we are getting caught up in a whirlwind with this um, unreleased track called Whirlwind. Yeah, this is another, like, post-Gorillas No Longer Exist thing. Um, this was played in October of 2013 by Damon Albarn on a BBC Radio 2 guest appearance takeover. This features the Lebanese National Symphony Orchestra, and it is an outtake from the Plastic Beak Chessinge. Uh It's kind of an extended intro into the uh, piece that would eventually be used in White Flag. And then Damon's Plastic Little Beat comes on at the very end. I was totally checked out from Gorilla's news at this point. Um, yeah, I don't remember this coming out. This didn't pop up on my radar at all at the time. Uh, I did the count. I think on our Plastic Beach episode, I mentioned that 
uh, that that Lebanese orchestra section of White Flag was 16 measures. It's actually 24 measures. It is pretty long. Still, it feels long. Like having it twice in in, in White Flag always seemed like a little too much. And and here, like because you know that it's just going to get through it, and then the track's going to end. You're like, all right, all right. Let's pick I, it I up. like it in White Flag. I have no problem with it being repeated, but like I'm glad that we didn't also get this extended intro. It's nice to have it, but it just I think it would have slowed down the pace of the album, especially considering how far up front it is. Yes, obviously, like many of the songs on these episodes, I'm not complaining that we have this. You know, I just think that uh, the right decision was made to to chuck what we don't have. Not too much to say about this one, though. A curiosity, and 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 I'm sure must have felt like a. Like an ocean in the drought that, that happened post-Plastic Beach. A little oasis, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, but what's next? Uh, not a little oasis, because this is the Gorillas podcast. Here we go! <laughs> next up is Mr. Softy's Balloon Race, I believe a favorite of yours. It is a favorite of mine. We know where I sit. Well, first of all, I'll say this was uploaded in December of 2004 to the Phase 2 Kong Studios website and could be accessed on Russell's computer uh, this was before Mix 2. Mix 2 happened in January. This happened in December. Oh, I always thought they went up concurrently. That's interesting. I did, too. I had to do a little research on that. Uh, you kind of know how I think about this song, and I'll, I'll have some things to say about it later, but I'd like to hear, because I think you're maybe a little bit more lukewarm on this. I think it's pretty beautiful. I think it's one of the better tracks that we're going to be talking about. Sure. Maybe you bristled at the at my at my proclamation that this should have been on D-Sides. Do you still feel that it, it probably didn't belong on D-Sides? I think if it had been developed into more of a song, it would have fit perfectly on a D-Sides. But in this kind of, in the fidelity that we have it, it just wouldn't have had a place on it, I don't think. Yeah, fidelity's worth mentioning. 24 kilobytes uh, per yeah. second is all I mean, we have. I mean, I have nothing, I've, I don't think this song is underwritten at all, really. I think the arrangements are cool. If they had actually mastered it, I think it, I would have no problem with it being on D-Sides. And I would actually love having it on it on there. I think yeah, I think compositionally it's it's certainly it to me anyway it seems as developed as like a people or certainly more developed than a Don't Get yeah. Lost in Heaven demo. Totally. I mean, the way it builds at the end is really kind of breathtaking almost. It gets really emotional towards the end of the song. And it's got that little dropout when they when the pads come in, the kind of That's really nice, yeah. Really pretty. Really lets you appreciate the other elements of the song too for a second there, like all the vocal work Damon is doing. There's a lot of stuff layered here. Yeah, I, I still think that uh, when he hits the low note on the the lyric, sometimes you turn around, sometimes you're lost but not found, that yeah. remains, I think, just one of the most beautiful moments in, in Damon Albarn vocalist history for me. I think it's so pretty. It kind of strikes the same chord for me as Highway Under Construction. It's got the same kind of wandery, almost like a nostalgic, forlorn vibe to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, if you haven't uh, if you haven't listened to Softy's Balloon Race yet, definitely go check it out on YouTube or wherever else you can yeah, check I'm it sure out on that on that, that Pirate Bay torrent, you, you weirdo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should I give it a spin? Let's see what we get next. Okay, here we go. All right. Dylan, time to go to the movies because we're talking about film music. Okay, film music was released in February of 2002 as a part of the Tomorrow Comes Today re-release. Uh, First thing I want to say about this one, every MP3 copy I've ever gotten is at least twice as loud as everything else in my library. Dude, it's and assaultive, so, isn't it? Seriously, when I'm, I'm, whenever I'm listening to these B-sides and rarities like on Shuffle or anything, this one comes on and just like fucking stop, stop. 
Stop. This is the only Phase One song aside from Nine One One that we know of, anyway. That that does not come from the sessions, the self-titled album sessions. I didn't know that. The reason that we know that is that it has an engineer uh, credited to it that is not credited on any other Phase One song. And in fact, it's the first time that this gentleman ever worked with uh, Damon Albarn. This man's name, of course, Jason Dring, the engineer and drum programmer for many Gorillaz albums. Perhaps a real-life Russell, if you will. What an origin story. I gotta be in the mood for this one, because in addition to being loud, it's quite noisy. Uh, yeah, a lot of weird a lot of weird discording stuff going on here. It is, like, very abrasive. It's not... I don't think that the song is bad. No, it's pretty cool. I will risk sounding like a, a 38-year-old uncool dad and, and say that it's, maybe it's a little much for me? It seems like it's a little much for me. <laughs> it's, it's definitely got that same kind of... It's almost the flip side of uh, double bass, where it sounds like it's being played by demons, but whereas the other ones were kind of making elevator music here, they're very upset about something yeah it definitely has it, it feels like it's cut from the same cloth as double bass i agree mm-hmm. it obviously it, it seems to hint at that sort of connection to the abandoned gorillas movie celebrity harvest celebrity uh, harvest which i want to talk about at length on this show someday because there's so much we know and so much we don't know it's so fascinating what exactly is going on in this song though musically like are people playing things here is this all damon doing synth work i mean i feel like that organ might actually be a hammond Okay. Is that a guitar that's playing really loudly? Maybe? And to say nothing, by the way, since this is not a remixes episode, to say nothing of the mode remix of the song, which is one of the most peculiar pieces in the Gorillaz canon. We'll get to it. But first, more rarities, Dylan. More rarities, if you, if it you a would. Spin. And it's going to land on. Ooh, this is a this one's a lot of fun. It's time for let's get dirty. The Gorillas <laughs> remix of the Redman song. Here he uh, is. Here he's back. Gorillas associate Redman. This is released in October of 2002 as a B-side on the UK and German edition of Redman's Smash Something single, which is weird because Let's Get Dirty was also a single. Right. Yeah. I I actually uh, got, went and watched the music video in preparation for this episode. Oh yeah, we should we should talk about the 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 original in, in comparison to this one. But first of all, I wanted to ask: Did you watch that video I sent you of the making of this? I did. How interesting that that's a thing that even exists in the first place, dude. The 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 supplemental material on the bananas DVD is such a treasure trove, like equal in value to the actual film bananas, in my opinion. Seriously, like if you had told me that there was like footage for the song i would have never believed you like Extensive this is one footage. of the six minutes plus i know and like it, and we finally have a little inside look into what a gorilla's remix actually means we kind of asked that question last week but here we actually see that it's not just dan the automator kind of working on something no. slapping a girl's label on it damon actually contributed some instrumental work to this remix. playing guitars and cymbals and all kinds Does, of things did the cymbal make it on here i don't think it did i don't think he's it got did. those where were they from were tibet or something yeah he's like i got i got these cymbals from tibet look and then he clangs them together and dan is like yeah, I, I don't know if there's really a place for that on the song. And he's like, well, well let's just record it. Let's just he's record like, it. He's like, he's like, let's, well, 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 it's just an idea. We'll, we'll keep it in mind. We'll keep it in mind. Like, he's clearly going to try and keep bringing it back up and look for a place to find where you can put these symbols. But I don't know if he actually did. Got some really wacky sound effects there, though. Yeah, there's there's like a 
kind of a classic Hanna-Barbera slipping on a banana peel sound effect that happens a few times in the song. One of the only times I will accept a parallel to the actual animals in a gorilla's track. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, and I think in, in general, the gorilla's remix is a huge improvement over the single version of the Seriously, song. Seriously, I couldn't believe it when I heard the original for the first time. This one just gives it so much more personality. I know, the beat The beat does Redman no favors. It really makes him sound like he's yeah. trying to kind of do like a DMX ripoff, which is not what he should be doing. He, he's like buried under it too here he's like front and center they really let the um little ad lib almost skits that he puts into the song breathe yeah definitely the whole intro is way more fun where do you place this gorillas remix as opposed to the uh, gorillas on my mind is like which is the which to you is the more essential collaboration i like this a lot better i think that yes i probably agree with you but i think that it was an oddly fruitful pair of tracks like i think that that those two should have done a little bit more together like they make it do you think he'll ever find his way back into the fold red man i don't know i don't know the last time i even heard from him on anything new like or even as a feature on anything yeah. then again that's kind of damon is kind of like the quentin tarantino of musicians in a way where he likes to pluck people after they've had a few years to sort of cool off and are he does that's concert. true that's true yeah let's get dirty and let's uh, get another spin going on this wheel okay here i go Oh boy, here's a good one. Glitter Freeze. It's back. The alternate version. <laughs> we did. Te- we technically briefly talked about this on our Plastic Beach episode. We did. We mentioned it. It came up. But here, let's. Now it's really time to dig into this. You can never have too much Glitter Freeze. So here we get the alternate version. Of course, one of the few alternate versions we get from the Plastic Beach sessions. Gotta we be don't glitter get seasides. We gotta get some more Glitter Freeze. Glitter Freeze having, having just made its, its triumphant return at, at the Demon Days rehearsal gig. Uh, uh, this was played in May of 2010 by Murdoch Nichols on XFM Radio. Of course he would. Thanks, fucking Murdoch. Okay, so I think we spoke pretty highly of this version uh, when we talked about it during our Plastic Beach episode. I like it. I think it's super. I think it's. I do think it's good. I wish that there was more of a mix between the two versions. Like I wish it, we had a version that wasn't quite as maxed out as this, as far as all the elements but wasn't as repetitive and sparse as the album version. Right, this one's almost a, almost turns into kind of like almost a noise track or something with all the stuff that's going on and how little kind of composition there is to it almost. Yeah, for sure. And, and some of those Damon backing vocals are really interesting. Like melodically, one, there's one moment that almost feels like an echo of the, the Mick and Paul intro to Plastic Beach to me. Yeah, um, definitely get that. Kind of living with this version, not just listening to it once and moving on like I like I normally do. I would like to see more of a harmony between this arrangement and the album arrangement. And I'd like that version to also be at least one minute shorter than both of these versions. Yeah, I feel you on that. I just I I would really love a version of Glitter Freeze. You know what? I'd even be fine with it being longer if it had everything Marky Smith contributed to the track. <laughs> Well, just yeah. like just like a full director's cut of Glitter Freeze, maybe Absolutely. it'd be like seven minutes long of him just yelling and shit like that. Can we can we get that. the same thing for Charger and Grace Jones? Can we get an hour and a half long Grace Jones special of Charger? Please. But what we do have here I think is a lot of fun. We get him kind of doing that talking to his parrot that they alluded to in uh, interviews, I think. And he keeps referring to a mysterious character named Dr. F. <laughs> Who knows who that is? All right, Dylan, I think we've got one song left. Why don't you give that wheel one more spin? Because I think that's probably all it can take. Okay, I'm going to spin that wheel. Oh, fuck, it's coming off the fulcrum. It's spinning uh, around duh. the room like a top. Oh, it's coming to a stop. It's coming to a stop. What do you see? What, what, it's what landing it? on... 
Oh, this is kind of anticlimactic. It's just the uh, stylo demo. Oh, well. Uh... <laughs> hey, Trevor, this was played in January of 2009 as one of the three songs played by David Albert on his BBC Radio 1 takeover. And originally on the BBC Radio 1 website, it was called Binge. And it's just kind of Damon playing around with, what, a stylophone for a couple of minutes? Um, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, You can the... kind of hear a rough start to what would eventually become the finished track going yeah. on. Like... By the end, he gets he gets 75% of the way he there to there. the group. Yeah, he gets there, but not all that pleasant to listen to. Because here's the thing. He plays he plays that, that electric shock uh, demo, right? Yeah. So clearly he had already done sessions with orchestras. Right. Has, was this really one of the three gems that he had to play at that point? I had no idea. What was he thinking? What was going on in the mind of Damon Albarn <laughs> when he was prepping for this BBC Radio 1 takeover? Who knows? Maybe, maybe he had his own wheel. Maybe he was spinning a Plastic Beach demos wheel, and the, these are just the three that it landed on. Who knows how many decisions that gorillas have made have come down to some kind of system that we've been using and shown to be completely unreliable this entire time. I think that that, to me, is is the entire odds and ends, rarities episode in miniature right there. It is, yeah, I think so. We've, we've made it. We're we've at the made end. it, and I'm so glad that we've made it to the end, because i gotta, I got to confess, I've lost a lot of blood over the last hour. Um, <laughs> what were, the, like, the three tracks that you just kind of ended up scratching your head over in this batch? Well, I mean, okay, so the... <laughs> so, it's hard not to just say Samba at 13 is the that's obvious gotta be choice, That's got to be one. That's the default, right? yep, yep. I mean, that's, that's the default. That's the... It, it, it almost feels like I'm cheating to do that yeah. what if i what if i just say of the ones that are not memes <laughs> that are not sure. shitty meme songs sure or the um, stylo demo which i think we both agree was a very anticlimactic ending to this entire charade we've put on i'll even take starshine fly life off the table and okay and look at the at, more seriously at the at the ones because everything else i'm i'm gorillas fan enough that that all of these songs are important to me yeah of course like we said it's better to have them not I guess I gotta say film music. I guess film music to me is the, is the most likely skip of the bunch here. Um, right? Like, what's going on there? Hey, but but conversely, I think that that both nine one one and Do You Thing are very special. You know, contextually important Gorilla songs. Essential Gorilla's tracks, I would say. Probably, they definitely deserve to be on any kind of Best of Gorilla's compilation. And and. Pure musically speaking, I mean, I, Mr. Softies is heart melting to me. I love it. Of course, it. yeah. And, uh, some other good discoveries I made, I think, were I really appreciate Let's Get Dirty a little more now, having watched that uh, Bananas thing. And it's really just a great track. It is really a, a really fun track for sure. And I totally forgot how much that Steely Dan cover just owns. Like, maybe like one of my top 10 Damon Auburn performances, perhaps. Here's what I'd love to hear from you guys. Well, first of all, keep in mind you have one week left uh, to vote. On your 10 favorite Gorilla songs, which, by the way, we've gotten dozens of emails from you guys already. Thank you so much. Uh, we have some early leaders coming in uh, after after one week of voting, but there's still another week of voting to come. So so definitely rank your 10 favorite Gorilla songs and then rank the main albums. That, of course, being self-titled, G-Sides, uh, Demon Days, D-Sides. Plastic Beach, The Fall, and Humans. Rank those from from favorite down to least favorite, and list your ten favorite Gorilla songs to by this coming Saturday. I believe that is the twelfth. Is that right? No, past Dylan. It's me, future Dylan, here to say that that Saturday will be the tenth of June, not the twelfth. Also, uh, invest in 
artificially intelligent refrigerators because they're big deal in the future. You make a lot of money. Hey, tune in next time and see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, I just want to say we are on uh, Tumblr and Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram and everywhere you can find us. We are Hallelujah Monkeys with a Z, except for on Twitter where we are Gorillas Fancast. So reach out to us and also uh, join our Discord, discord.me slash monkeys with a Z. Uh, as you heard on this episode, sometimes you get to be a little featured guest on the show if you post in our Discord. So that's a thing. Yeah, connect with other fans of the podcast as well. So until next time, I'm Trevor Ickrath. And I'm going to go to the emergency room now. All right, Dylan, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.